Welcome to the podcast of Grace Crossing Church, where life and faith intersect. I want to welcome you to Grace Crossing Church for week number three of our series, Renew. I'm just curious, by way of a little bit of a trivia, how many of you have already figured out the theme song of this bumper? Anybody already know it? Okay, so, so at least one here. So your job is to try to figure out the theme song uh, of that bumper. It is somewhat familiar, uh, and I'll maybe give you a clue from week to week as we come through this and won't reveal it to the end of our series. Well, um, I shared with uh, us the first couple of weeks that this particular theme um, is the first of its kind here at Grace Crossing Church. And the reason it's the first of its kind is I don't think we've ever had a series before that we have shared that has been the result of the staff team uh, providing it for us. So I shared with us that at the beginning of our year, uh, we kind of prayed and discerned a word that the Lord had for us as a staff team, which we then believe is a, is a word God has for our church body. And that, word's, that word is renew. And, uh, and so, so though I am the primary voice and communicator of this series, I'm not the primary heart of it. I think it's our entire staff team that's providing the heart behind this particular series. So by way of reminder, here is the catalyst, this theme verses that we are using from Isaiah chapter 43, uh, verses 18 and 19. God says, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. You ever been guilty of that? You ever find yourself putting up your mailbox address at a past experience or a past event? I think we all have. Well, the Lord says, see, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. If you were not here for the first two weeks of this series, and you consider Grace Crossing Church your church, then I would urge you to listen to the podcast, because we want you tracking with us for this entire series during this Renew and also during our 40 days of renewal. God is up to something new. And so I got to ask you this morning, what is the new thing God is doing in your life these days? What is that new thing where God is moving, where God is at work? I said this a couple of weeks ago, but if you want to see the new things God is doing, then all you have to do is look at the new experiences in your life. What is that new challenge you're facing? What is that new difficulty you're up against? What is that new opportunity God has provided for you? What is the new relationship? What is the new job, the new opportunity God's giving to you? I I have found in my life that often it is in the midst of something new where God is actually doing a new thing in me. He's not just doing a new thing around me. He's not just doing a new thing for me, but God is doing something new in me. And that's what we're trying to discern and perceive as we're walking through this series together. So for me, my new thing began at the beginning of this year when God dropped and deposited a word in my heart for this year for me. And it was the word silent. 
So it's a spiritual practice that I have been doing uh, in my life um, over the last number of years, but it really isn't until probably more recently that I've been really trying to engage that in my life in a deeper way. And when God gave me that word this year for me, the word silent, there was no question in my mind that it was from God. Here's how I know. It is not my natural response. It, it, it is not my default position. I'm a communicator. So all of you by now who know me know that I love to talk. I, I love words. Often, too much. And so I believe that God has given to me an invitation to experience him in a deeper, more meaningful way. And the way to do that for me is through practicing silence and learning to become more silent. Now, I'm learning a lot about silence. One of the things that I'm learning from personal experience is that silence is a means of letting go. I mean, think about it. Whenever we become silent, we are in a very real sense releasing control. We are giving ourselves over to something greater, something more than what is contained in us. Ecclesiastes 3.7, Solomon gave us the wisdom when he said, there is a time to talk. There is a time to be silent. So before we move any further in this morning's talk, let's practice some silence, can we? I'm going to invite you to get in a posture of being present with God right now. Whatever that's like for you, however you find yourself most in that posture, it may be closing your eyes, it, it might be bowing your head, it might be just laying aside everything in your hands, it, it might be taking a few deep breaths, it might be opening your palms upward toward heaven. Whatever it is that puts you in a position of being present with God, I want us to take just a couple of moments this morning for some silence. And in this, let's give ourselves over to something greater, something more, to what God wants to do in us this morning by his spirit. Let's pause. As we remain in a posture of openness and availability to God, I've asked Marlon Williams to come and to lead us in a corporate prayer together. Good morning. <clears throat> Join me uh, as I'll pray very briefly uh, around two very short scripture passages. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks for bringing us back together in this fashion. We thank you for this new series of Renew, Lord. When we come seeking for a renew, renewing of our minds and our hearts, renewing, Lord God, of our love for you and love for others. Father, from the very outset, 
we want to confess to you that we don't desire renewal, that we don't desire you as much as we should. And so we ask you, Lord, that you might give us a renewed desire, a renewed passion for you. We pray, Lord God, that you might give us such a passion that like the psalmist, psalmist, Lord God, in Psalm 42, we might be able to say, as the deer pants for the water, so or soul pants after you. Help us to thirst for you, the living God. And when you've given us, Lord, this, this passion, this desire for you, we pray that you might remind us or help us to realize that you speak not only, Lord God, in a big, booming, thunderous voice mm. with lightning and clouds all around, but help us like you reminded Elijah, Lord God, When the strong winds came, you weren't in it. When the earthquake came, you weren't in it. When the fire came, you weren't in it, Lord. But then there was just a gentle whisper. And that's how you spoke. Father, we pray that you might give us such a passion, such a desire for you, that we might seek to slow down that we might seek solitude, that we might seek silence, that we might be able to hear that still, small voice. Mm -hmm. Father, as Pastor Gil comes back to us, we pray, Lord God, that you might quiet our hearts, quiet our minds, quiet our souls, mm -hmm. so that you, Lord God, might be able to Renew our minds, renew our hearts, renew our souls. And that, Lord God, we might be able to hear that still, small voice. We thank you, Lord, and we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you, Marlon. <clears throat> so I am a... 100% convinced that the single most important thing that we do here at Grace Crossing Church is to pray and to wait on God. Which means the single most important event and gathering here at Grace Crossing Church is not this gathering on Sunday morning. It's actually what we did last Monday night at one prayer. When we just come together to bring our hearts before God, we come with no other agenda but to seek him and to wait on him. So I used to read um, stories of great men from uh, our Christian history, uh, men who God used for incredible revivals and, and, and ways where God was moving in tremendous, extraordinary ways. And I would read their autobiographies or I read, would read biographies about their lives and so often it would point to how much emphasis they put on prayer 
and they would link it to the movements of God. And, and I would often say as a young pastor, those things are good, but what about strategic planning? What, what, what about our engineering? What about our creative outreach ideas? Like, like I would minimize all those things as though they were significant, but maybe not that significant. Well, I'm becoming one of those guys. As I'm getting older, I think what I'm realizing is that the most important thing we'll ever do is that we'll pray. And it is going to take our willingness to pray, to see God renew us the way that he longs to renew us. So our next prayer is coming uh, on April the 1st, and I want you to mark it down. And I'd like to invite you to make plans to join us for what I believe is the single most important thing that we do here at Grace Crossing Church. Now, I already know what some of you are thinking. That's April Fool's Day. Well, let me say this. Coming to one prayer will be the wisest decision that you'll ever make. So a couple of weeks ago when I talked about prayer, and I emphasized this Monday night at one prayer, and I, I want to repunctuate it. What prayer is? Prayer is paying attention to the activity of God in our lives. It's not just talking to God. It's not just talking with God. It is becoming more aware and paying attention to the activity of God. It is becoming aware of where God is already at work, where God is already moving, what God is already doing, and then just simply aligning our lives and cooperating with that activity. Here's a great way I've come, I've come to understand prayer. Prayer is a posture of open receptivity and eager responsiveness to the movements of God in my everyday life. That's why Paul could say, pray without ceasing. Because he knew that prayer was not just about talking and it, it wasn't just about being on our knees. It was about being dialed in to the movements of God in our everyday life. And the more that we have a posture of open receptivity and eager responsiveness to the movements of God, whenever we do that, we are engaged in prayer. So it isn't just an event, but, but that event helps us to engage collectively and corporately in prayer. So as we journey through these, this series and through 40 Days of Renewal, Here's my prayer for you. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18. I pray that the light of God will illuminate the eyes of your imagination, flooding you with light until you experience the full revelation of the hope of his calling. That is the wealth of God's glorious inheritances that he finds in us his holy ones. I pray that the light of God. So on my drive in here this morning, some of you will be familiar with this particular route. I was coming on Trebine Road and I, I hit Fairgrounds Road and I turned to come Fairgrounds Road over to Beaver Valley Road and it was just as the sun was beginning to crest. And it was one of the most spectacular views as I was driving on Fairgrounds Road, coming toward Beaver Valley Road, that I could see the light just beginning to flood and brighten the hills. 
before me. And there was a distinct line of where the sun was not yet hitting. But as I journeyed more on Fairgrounds Road, that shadow began to come toward me. And at one point, my car intersected with where the light was meeting the earth. And that light just filled the vehicle. I mean, I could feel immediate warmth. I could feel immediate brightness. I could feel the hope inside of my heart just beginning to swell, even for what we were going to experience here this morning at Grace Crossing Church. And I was thinking about this verse. God's light wants to fill us in a way that we have never yet experienced, that we find ourselves still living some ways in shadows of our past or our past experiences. We find ourselves in the shadows of wilderness experiences or wastelands where God is just wanting to say, I want to brighten your life with my light and I want to bring you a full awareness of what I'm doing. So let's reread the verse. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18. I pray that the light of God will illuminate the eyes of your imagination, flooding you with light until you experience the full revelation of the hope of his calling. That is the wealth of God's glorious inheritances that he finds in us, his holy ones. According to this verse, The obstacle to actually fully experiencing God is spiritual blindness. That spiritual blindness somehow is what keeps us from fully seeing what it is God wants to do in our lives. So spiritual blindness is just simply the inability to see what God is doing in a particular moment or in a given situation. It's the inability to see where God is moving, where God is working, what God wants to do inside of our own hearts. And there are a lot of reasons for spiritual blindness. There are a lot of ways that spiritual blindness shows up in our lives. But Jesus actually clues us in on what it does and how it affects us. Matthew's Gospel, chapter 6, verses 22 and 23, here's what Jesus said. This is from the Amplified uh, Version, which I really like the way it reads. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is clear, spiritually perceptive, your whole body will be full of light, benefiting from God's precepts. But if your eye is bad spiritually blind, your whole body will be full of darkness, devoid of God's precepts. So another translation actually says that the eye is the window to your soul. And and for us to understand and appreciate what Jesus is actually teaching us here, We've got to zoom out to the wider text. And we're not going to read it this morning, but here's the wider text. If you read the preceding verses to what Jesus said, and you read the immediately following verses after this, here's the wider narrative here. 
Jesus is actually speaking about the objects of our affection and the source of our security. In other words, he's talking about what our hearts get tethered to. What our hearts become attached to. And Jesus often linked our attachments to wealth, possessions, as our source of security rather than God. And so what Jesus here is actually suggesting is that the more that we become tethered to the things of this earth, the less possible it is for us to see God clearly. The more spiritually blinded we become. It's likely what Jesus had in mind when he said this in Matthew chapter 5 in the Beatitudes, verse number 8, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. What's he talking about? Jesus here is talking about our attachments. In other words, the the more that we are able to dislodge ourselves from the pleasures and the treasures that this world has to offer, the more clearly we can see God. The more detached we become from those things, the more attached we become to what God wants to do. So throughout Scripture, the Bible speaks about spiritual blindness. In fact, all the Gospels have stories of blindness, and I think there's a reason for that. Jesus wanted to face it. He wanted to deal with it. And he also wanted to encourage us that if we're going to experience renewal, we've got to bring our blindness to God, and we've got to be willing to go to a place where we can experience healing and recovery from our spiritual blindness. So this morning there are two stories by way of illustration that I want to bring to us from the Gospels. The first one is found in the Gospel of Mark. The second one comes to us by way of Luke's Gospel. Now, for those here that may not understand that word Gospel, let me just really quickly say that the Gospels are the four biographies that we read about the life of Jesus in the New Testament. Jesus' life was so significant, one biography wasn't enough. And so we're given four, two from the inside, two of his disciples, and two from the outside. Two that were directly affected by him, but were not one of his direct, immediate 12 disciples. I think there's a balance in the way that comes to us. The Gospels are the good news of Jesus Christ. And we read about this good news, about what God wants to do to help give us a framework for how we can recover from blindness in all of the Gospels. But I want to begin in Mark's Gospel with a really significant story. It's found in chapter 10, and we're going to begin reading at verse number 46 this morning. As he, Jesus, was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a large crowd. A blind beggar named Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the road. 
when he heard that it was Jesus the Nazarene, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many were sternly telling him to be quiet, but he kept crying out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. When I read this story, these verses really trouble me. Because here is a guy who had a definite need and a definite longing for spiritual things. He actually becomes aware of Jesus of Nazareth on his way. He heard that he was, he was in the vicinity. He obviously knew something about Jesus at this point because he starts crying out to him. But here's what troubles me about these verses is there are people surrounding him that are trying to silence him. Now, we don't know exactly who they were, but I have a hunch that his own disciples were among those telling him to be quiet. Why do I say that? Because the disciples, if you read the New Testament Gospels, you discover that they were very protective of Jesus. They saw crying children and cripples and blind beggars as a distraction from Jesus' primary mission. They thought those were interruptions to what Jesus had really come to do. In their mind, it was to establish this earthly kingdom and overthrow and topple the Roman government and put Israel back in political power. That's what they had anticipated. That's what they had believed for. And they saw everything else as a distraction from the mission. So this group is saying to him, hey, be quiet. Don't bother the Messiah. Don't bother Jesus. And I love what it says. The more they told him to be quiet, the more he cried out. In other words, he just got louder and louder and louder. In Christian tradition, his prayer here is actually known as the Jesus prayer. It's simply, Lord Jesus, have mercy on me. And it's the first of three realities this morning that I want to bring to us. Three realities that actually make renewal possible in our lives. Here's the first one. Renewal begins when we make our longing for Jesus known regardless of what people say or think. It really begins when we make our longing for Jesus known, regardless of popular opinion, regardless of what our family says, regardless of what people in our lives encourage us or discourage us from doing. And so I have a question for you this morning. What is it that's keeping you from crying out, to Jesus. In other words, what is it pre- that is preventing you from just expressing your longing for him? Maybe it's not a what, maybe it's a who. Maybe there's actually somebody physically in your life who is telling you to keep quiet. Don't share your issues. 
Don't draw attention to your problems. Don't lift up your voice and say, I am at the end of myself and I need help. Because that's where real help begins. When we finally reach the end of ourselves, like this, this blind beggar, I think all of us are Bartimaeus in some ways. All of us are just like him. We have a really deep longing. And we need to make it known. And that's what he does. Look at verse 49 and verse number 50. Jesus stopped and he said, call him here. So they called the blind man saying to him, take courage, stand up. He is calling you. I think this just strikes me as so odd. Here are the same people telling him to be quiet that are now on his side. Like, like get up. This is good news. He wants you to come. Come on, let me help you get over there to him. Throwing aside his cloak, he jumped up and he came to Jesus. Now remember, this man was a beggar. So it's very likely the only piece of clothing he owned beyond his undergarments was his cloak. Many uh, theologians and scholars of scripture really believe that the cloak was the place that he actually kept and hid all of his, whatever earthly possessions he would have had, they would have been in his cloak somewhere. So when he's laying it aside to come to Jesus, he is making a profound statement. He is detaching from whatever attachments he has in this life, and he's coming to Jesus in complete nakedness of himself. He's fully aware of who he is. He's fully aware of his brokenness. He's fully aware of his need for God. And so he gets up, and he moves in his direction. And I think it's really important we understand that there was something that this blind beggar had to do for his own renewal. He had to respond. Jesus did not want to hear what he needed from somebody else. He didn't want to hear from a middleman. He didn't need an interpreter or a translator. What he wanted was he wanted to look into this guy's eyes, blinded eyes, and he wanted him to say something. Verse number 51. Jesus said, what do you want me to do for you? I'm, I'm going to just, I'm just going to hit the pause right there in this, in this verse. Does that question from Jesus strike you as just a little bit odd? It does me. It's as though Jesus is oblivious to this guy's obvious problem. It's like Jesus is blind to the blind man's situation. Why would Jesus ask this particular question to a blind beggar? I think it's because there's something here going on very profound something deeply spiritual and fully scriptural. Jesus 
here does not ask this man what he needs. He asks him what he wants. The big difference. He doesn't say to him, tell me your need. Jesus already knew his needs. What Jesus wanted to do was Jesus wanted to hear what it was he wanted. What do you want from me? What do you want me to do for you? Is actually the most frequently asked question of Jesus in the Gospels. And there's a reason. Because what Jesus is doing here is he is plumbing the depths of Bartimaeus' soul. He's going way beyond the surface of his life. He's going to the core of his being. What he wanted to know was he wanted to know what is your deepest desire? What is that thing that stirs in you that comes from the deepest part of your being? He wanted him to say it. And he wanted him to say it out loud. He wanted to say, this is what I want from you. This brings me to the second reality of renewal that I want you to hear this morning. Renewal requires that we name our deepest desire in God's presence. That we name our deepest desire in God's presence. Now, I know what some of you here might be thinking, even as I say that. Because when you hear the word desire, you hear perverted. When you hear the word desire, you sexualize it. When you hear the word desire, you think of it as something that could never be pure. But let me just tell you, as a child, I didn't filter my desires. When I was a child, I just said what it was I wanted. I came out and I just I just shared it. It didn't make any difference what it sounded like or what it felt like. Because when I was a child, what I desired was just right there in my life. I just knew it. And I wasn't afraid to say it. And what happens over time in our lives? Parents and teachers and even, even people who are friends, spouses, and people can begin to squash our desires. They can actually begin to make us feel like our desires are somehow wrong or bad, always. And even in my own theological training, I never learned anything about how to bring and name my truest desires in the presence of God. And I think it's really important. I think it's why Jesus continually came back to that question, not what do you need, but what is it you want? What he is doing there is he is establishing what I would call the supremacy of desire. Here's what I believe firmly about desire. 
I believe that desire is the truest expression of who you are. It's the truest expression of who I am. So whenever I repress my desires, I am actually denying my true, authentic, most genuine self from emerging, from coming forward. I know what some of you again are thinking. You're thinking, you don't know the crazy desires I have. You don't know how bad they are and how evil they are. But here's what I believe. If you drill down deeper, even beyond those, what you'll discover is something that's so pure, that's so good, that's so God, that if you can get beyond the layer of sin and the layer of of things that have shrouded who you really are, you will find that the deepest part of you, a longing for God that can be met in no other way. I believe it means we have to take risks that are going to mean we have to deny and have our false self humiliated so that we can allow our true self that's created in the image of God to emerge from us and find expression through us. It is the truest expression of who we are. The second thing I fully believe about desire is it's the language of our soul. It is the language of the human soul. Whenever we name our desires in God's presence, listen what we are doing. We are giving our soul permission to speak. We are saying, this deepest part of me can actually come out and be expressed in God's presence. Now, some of you are going to find this really, really difficult. You know why? Because you have muted your soul for so long. You've muted it, and you don't even know how to begin to let it emerge. It might even feel dangerous to do that. I am 100% convinced that when we are out of touch with our desires, we, in turn, become out of touch with God. When we do not know what's happening in the deepest part of us where God connects Listen, your soul is where God connects with you. And and if you are out of touch with the deepest desires, then you in turn get out of touch with God. And so learning to name our desires in God's presence is an important part of renewal. Some of us don't even know what what we want from God. We can't even name it. How do we have any hopes of experiencing renewal? If we're not willing to say, this is what I want from you, God, this is what I'm bringing to you out of the deepest part of me. Silence has stirred things in me that I'm paying attention to. It's drawing me to places and to moments that are really hard, but they are so filled with God that I'm learning to listen to my soul. I want you, if you get nothing else out of this morning, if you walk out of here this morning and you don't remember anything else, I want you to remember this. Your desires, deepest desires, are safe in God's presence. They are safe in God's presence. You do not have to fear what God may think or say to you because you just say, this is what I want. 
You go, am I allowed to do that? You're not only allowed, but God welcomes it. Because it's where you're going to meet him. Just like blind Bartimaeus met him. So let's not ignore his response. The blind man said to him, let's go back to the previous verse. The blind man said to him, Rabboni, I want to regain my sight. Now, his response tells me two things about this blind man. Number one, it tells me that at some point in his life he could see. In other words, he wasn't always blind. But it also tells me that this blind man was willing to reclaim his eyesight. Let me tell you why that's important. Not everybody wants to reclaim their eyesight. Not everybody is willing to have renewal. Some people like dwelling in the past. Some people are really content just to live where they can live in sorrow and and sadness and heaviness. And God is saying, listen, if that's what you want to do, I'm not going to stop you from that. But until you reclaim your eyesight for yourself, until you reclaim what you're missing in your life, what, what has been lost, renewal won't happen. I don't know what you need to reclaim this morning. Some of you here, I believe in God's spirit, you need to reclaim your innocence. Because your innocence was taken from you far too young. And God wants you to reclaim it. Some of you need to reclaim your faith. You've actually given up faith. Faith in God. Maybe faith in yourself. Maybe faith in others. Some of you need to reclaim the courage to confront the issue that you have been putting off for far too long. And God is saying, I want you to reclaim my courage to go to that hard place. Some of you need to reclaim the courage to go back to break the power of the past so that you can go forward in God's freedom and God's victory. I I don't know what you need to reclaim this morning, but here's what I know. I know that until we are willing to reclaim it like the blind man, we don't get it. God's not going to wave a magic wand over us. He's saying to us, what do you want? Are you in touch with your deepest desires. Now the end of the story is really powerful. Here's what it says in verse number 52, and we're going to close with this. Jesus said to him, go. Your faith has made you well. We talked about this on on Monday night. That what, what Jesus here is really saying is your faith has made you whole and complete. Jesus was concerned with this man's eyesight, but he was concerned about so much more. And he says, your faith has made you well or whole. Immediately, he regained his sight, and he began following him on the road. Jesus did not just give this man back his eyesight. Jesus gave him a new lease on life, a new perspective. That wasn't just physical. 
So much so that he said, from this moment forward, I'm following Jesus because he understood the deepest desire of my heart. And he connected to it. And only God can do that in the deepest way. I'm going to come back to the second story next weekend. But here's how I want to close this morning. In your handout, you will notice there is a, an insert that just says renew on the top of it. This is a resource that we are providing for, for each of us here during the 40 days of renewal. And if you've got a pen, here's what I'd like you to write right now. This week's meditation is I'd like you to put Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10. I'd like you to take time this week to meditate on the entire chapter of Mark's gospel, chapter 10. Here's why. I want you to particularly see if you can find the three illustrations of desire in it. There are three different stories that speak to the power of desire that actually are talked about here. So go to Mark's gospel, chapter 10, and I want you just to meditate on that. Prayer and fasting focus. What is it this week? Here's what I want you to ask yourself this week. Not what does God want me to give up, but what does God want me to give myself to? What is it God is asking me to give myself over to in my relationship with him? That may require a personal stretch goal for you. Something that's going to be outside of your comfort zone, but God is asking you to do it. Maybe it's to practice some silence this week in your life. For some of you, maybe it's calendaring April 1st one prayer and say, I'm going to put it down and I'm going to plan on it. I'm going to build my schedule around it so I can be present. Your reflection is, how might God be inviting you to trust him for renewal this week? And particularly there, here's what I'd like you to to process with God this week. Can I touch my deepest desires? Can Can I touch them? Can I name them? Do I know them? Am I aware of them? Because in doing that, you're going to touch the heart of God in a way that you in no other way can. Because it'll be the deepest, truest expression of who you are. For 40 days of renewal, if we have any hopes of renewal, we've got to be able to name our deepest desire in the presence of God. And the final section is for your own prayer. What does your heart cry out to God for? Just like Brian Bartimaeus. What is it you want to express to God in prayer this week? I invite you to take time. Take time with God to process those things. And here's what I can promise you. I can promise you that you're going to find a safe place in him. Would you stand please as we pray? Father, we just come this morning with open hearts and with eager responsiveness to your movement. In you we live. In you we move. In you we have our very being.
So God, help us to find you in our desires this week. Even if they scare us, as we name them in your presence, help us, Lord, to recognize that below even desires that are impure or unhealthy, there lies deeper desires that are being masked by those things. And you want to get us there. So help us to reclaim our desires, God, in you this week as we bring our hearts to you in openness and transparency. Thank you for all you're doing in our lives. Thank you for how you're building us in these 40 days of renewal. We pray that we, Lord, would be available to you and responsive to you. Thank you for your presence. I leave this body now with your peace and your love. May the richness of God's spirit dwell in our hearts throughout this week. We pray it in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Bless you all. Good afternoon. Thanks for listening. To learn more about Grace Crossing Church, including service times and directions, check us out on the web at www.gracecrossingchurch.net. We hope to see you at one of our upcoming weekend worship gatherings. Have a great day.